Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Dr. Rhonda Ham, the insect doc on Instagram. No, yep. it's just insect doc, right? Yep. Okay, let me start yep. again. Yep. Right. It's at insect doc on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter. Okay, I want to make sure I get that right. Doc. right. Starting over. Dr. Rhonda Ham, insect doc on Instagram and Twitter is an entomologist and educator passionate about providing enriching science and agriculture experiences for everyone. She earned her Bachelor of Science degree in agriculture education at Fresno State University. She spent some time as a high school teacher and then went on to earn her master's and doctorate in entomology at Cornell University. She's previously held roles as a senior biologist conducting both laboratory and field research in urban pest management and northern crops. In 2019, Dr. Ham was named an American Association for the Advancement of Science, if then ambassador, and was recognized as an Indiana Woman of Achievement with distinction in science education. She is the 2016 recipient of the Distinguished Informal Educator Award from the National Science Teachers Association for her work in founding three successful STEM programs that continue to grow to this day. And Dr. Ham is with us today as part of our amazing partnership with Reinvented Magazine and the Princesses with Power Tools Calendar. Reinvented Magazine is a magazine all about women and girls in STEM, and each year they release the Princesses with Power Tools Calendar, which features real women in STEM and trades and shows girls that you don't have to choose between being a princess and an engineer, you can be both. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Dr. Ham slash Rhonda, and you said we can call you Rhonda, right? Absolutely, yes. Okay, <laughs> great. Well, welcome. I'm proud. I worked pretty hard for that doctor title, but I, I'm quite human. And so my name is Rhonda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we, yes, if we, if you were on a panel, we would absolutely require you to be called <laughs> Dr. Ham, but it's just, it's just us today. So we'll, we'll hang out and we'll talk uh, about, you know, your career and everything that you've done. And we are really excited to hear about bugs because you're an entomologist, and um, all about the Princesses with Power Tools calendar. So can you tell us, Rhonda, how did you come to work with insects? Did, were you one of those kids who like played with them in the school, in the, in the schoolyard, in the playground at your house? I mean, in your yard at your house? Definitely not. Okay. <laughs> I was the exact opposite of that. Really? I actually was the little girl that was terrified of insects and would run out of the room if I saw what I quote and called a creepy crawly. So it could be a spider. It could be an insect. Didn't matter if it was small and ran kind of weird on more than four legs. I wanted nothing to do with it. And so I really accidentally fell into the, the world of entomology. And it wasn't until I was a high school between my junior and senior year in high school mm-hmm. that I was assigned to an entomology lab. So I applied for this summer internship for a high school student. And they had kind of this checklist of what kinds of fields might you want to go into? And mm-hmm. let me say, I did not check the entomology box. Okay. That is for sure. 
And so I went through the whole process of the application and the interview and they said, hey, congratulations, you've been selected as one of four students this summer to come and basically do research with us for the summer. And I was excited. And then they said, oh, and you're gonna be working in an entomology lab. And actually I didn't really even know what that term was. Uh So I had to look it up. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh no, I have to work with insects. This is gonna be terrifying. I don't know if I can do it. And so I I took a moment (laughs) and overcame my panic, my emotional panic at the moment and said, okay, what is this summer going to do for me? One, it's just the summer. It's eight weeks. I can probably survive anything for eight weeks. I can hate it and never have to go back. Two, I did know that this was a paid internship. And so I was trying to save money for college. And so I said, okay, it's a job during the summer. I can do this for eight weeks. Again, it's only eight weeks. And then I ended up saying, okay, I'm going to take it. And so I went and I had the most amazing experience, like a transformational experience that summer. One, it was the people that I was working with. They didn't treat me like I was a high school student coming in that they had to kind of like tell what to do. Mm -hmm. They basically treated me like a colleague and said, here's your project. We're going to teach you how to do your project, but it is yours. You're going to make the decisions on what you want to test and how you're going to run these experiments and how you're going to set up your schedule. And I felt so empowered. Mm. Like I can really do this. They believe in me. So I have to believe in me. And so then they introduced me to the project and the project was working with ants. So I tease and I, I kind of consider ants my um, introduction insect to because they're not that scary, right? We've all watched ant colonies on oh, the, the no, sidewalk. No. Ants are the scariest. They're the, they're not to me. Oh, really? <laughs> so you're the okay, first then. one because most people are like fascinated by them, right? Because yeah. no, they live cool. in these colonies and they work together as teams and they can carry like huge pieces compared to their body weight, right? True, yeah. And, and their size. So mm-hmm. for me, they weren't, as super scary. Um, and I should mention that I worked with Argentine ants, so they're not the biting, stinging kind of ants mm-hmm. um, to start with. I did end okay. up working with those later. Big difference. Big difference. And so um, I learned all about these creatures. I kind of got more curious about what they did and why they were important. And so I was studying them because ants on like the ground are actually beneficial, especially in an agricultural setting. Mm-hmm. on the ground, they're actually controlling other insects for us. Cause they'll basically eat kind of whatever they can catch. And yet in the trees. So I was working in citrus at the time, if they get into the citrus and they crawl up the tree, there's this other insect that's called a scale insect that mm-hmm. kind of sucks the juices out of the fruit and it's a pest. And so what the ants do is these little scale insects produce this like kind of honeydew sap stuff from them. And the ants love that. And Mm -hmm. so that sugary substance is like candy to them. So what they do is they protect these other insects from natural enemies. And so the ants actually then become a bigger part of the pest problem because they're basically little farmers and are protecting these scale insects that are pests to our fruit. And so Mm -hmm. the idea was if I could find something that could repel the ants and keep them on the forest floor or on the, the agricultural floor, then they'd be a beneficial and it I could band each tree and then the ants wouldn't crawl up into the tree and become a pest themselves. Mm -hmm. So really super interesting, lots of dynamics between two different kinds of insects, lots of real world application to that project. So 
my, I like to say my fear turned into fascination during that eight week summer internship. So you just never know. I tell people all the time, keep your mind open to opportunities because you may go in thinking this is going to be something that I just have to survive through, which is what I did. Mm -hmm. And it can completely change your entire career and your entire life. So for me, I never left. I ended up working in those labs um, at that particular field station where I started for six years before I went to graduate school to study insects even further. Six years. Yeah. And I love that you started out hating them or not, you're not liking them, but you were open-minded enough to get past that. And I think, you know, it's so important. And I, that's why we have this podcast. It's so important. And, and that's why reinvented has the princesses with power tools and their magazine, because we have to show young people that you know, you, you don't have to stick with the mindset that you necessarily had when you are younger. Cause some of that comes from things that we're taught and maybe that's not the best thing to be taught, right? Like children's books might have, I, I actually was reading a ch- children's book to my daughter and the kids, there was a, a spider and it said that one of the girls said, ew, a spider. So I changed it to one of the boys saying that. <laughs> And then yes. I changed it. I changed it to the girl who was comforting him. <laughs> so I, I think a lot of it's taught, and I love that that you were able to overcome that. Um, okay, so now it wasn't easy. I'm not yeah. gonna lie; it was not easy. It yeah, took some I mean, time. It's it's very conditioned in us not to like bugs. It really is, especially yep. as kind of girls. So when you got up, you know, through the internship, then and then what was your next step? Yeah. So I. So why I applied for the internship is I loved animals. So I really wanted to work with animals. I thought I was going to be a veterinarian because really, let's be honest, when you think of someone that works with animals, the first thing that comes to mind, and sometimes the only thing that comes to mind is a veterinarian. So that's where I thought my career was going to go. So Mm -hmm. I started getting involved in agriculture in high school, which is what led to that internship. And I started learning more and more about the field of agriculture and what is all entailed in that. So the animals were what initially drew me, but then I started learning more about these insect and interactions that they have with plants. And then I learned more about plants and more about business. And there were all these different things that just kind of always piqued my interest if I wanted to learn more. And there were too many choices. I couldn't narrow it down. Mm-hmm. And so I chose the best of all worlds and majored in agricultural education because then I didn't have to choose. So I could get a degree. I could take plant science. I could take agricultural mechanics. I loved some of my like small engines class was probably one of my most fun classes um, that I took. I also took a welding class, loved it. And so there's all these different things that you can do within the agricultural sciences and ag education just gave me the chance to kind of try them all out. So I did some plant science. I did you know, a few entomology classes. Um, My university that I went to for undergrad didn't offer an entomology major, so I couldn't major in that. Um, But this ag education degree kind of gave me a well-rounded background to try a lot of different areas. And my initial thinking was I was going to be a teacher. I loved interacting with people and Mm -hmm. talking to people and teaching people about all the great sciences and careers and technology that are involved in that industry. So that was where I thought I was going to go. And so I finished my degree and actually did become a teacher for a period of time, Um, decided to go to graduate school and thought I was going to go to graduate school, get a master's degree and go back into the the classroom, the high school classroom Mm -hmm. and ended up getting there. Uh, My advisor said, hey, you're going to be finishing up your master's here soon. Do you want to stay and do a PhD? 
And that was the second moment in my life. The first one was the internship of getting over that. The second one was, well, if I stay and do a PhD, I'll never be a high school teacher. So these plans that we have for ourselves always, Mm -hmm. we have to learn to either be flexible or say, you know, that's my course and I'm going to do that. Yeah. So for me, I took a little bit of time because I had always pictured myself as a educator and I didn't know what I would be if I wasn't. And so I started asking around, like, what could I be as a, you know, PhD scientist? And, you know, the thing that I saw the most was an academic professor. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that was going to be my next path. So I said, okay, I'll stay. Um, It still allows me the opportunity to teach. I still get to be engaged with people. I get to be involved in the sciences, best of all worlds. And so when I was graduating, (laughs) um, the third time, so there's kind of a theme to my story Mm -hmm. of, I don't have a career path. I have a career adventure, um, Mm -hmm. because it always veers off of the path that I thought I was going to have. And so I was finishing up my PhD and looking for positions to, um, work in the future. And I ran across someone that was giving a presentation at a scientific conference on, outreach education in their communities, and they were from industry. And I didn't understand how industry and this education piece went together. Mm -hmm. Um, But to be honest, I was too shy to raise my hand during the actual meeting and ask a question. (laughs) So what I did is I went up to them after the session was kind of over and people were kind of just networking and milling around. And I said, hey, you know, I have a couple of questions. Would you mind if I asked you some? And um, this woman happened to be very, very kind and nice and said, hey, you know, yeah, I have a few minutes. If you'd like to go get a cup of coffee, we can sit and talk. So we, I asked her those questions, like, how are you here talking about how is industry and education related to one another? What are you doing together? How does that work? Mm-hmm. And we had a great conversation. So her philosophy that she said, the company was really interested in we need to be a, we are a part of our communities. We Mm -hmm. need to be part of telling the story of why these technologies are important. What are they doing for us and why? And so that really resonated with me. And I said, "Hmm, I never knew that you could do that. Mm -hmm. And so she asked me when I was graduating, I said, actually, I'm graduating in May. Here's my CV and handed her my CV um, and didn't really think a lot of it. The next thing I know, I'm getting a phone call to fly to Indianapolis from, I was living in upstate New York at the time, fly to Indianapolis for an interview and the rest is history. So 15 years later, I am still working and employed um, at that company that initially started from one conversation at one conference. And they say networking doesn't work. Oh yeah, that's not true. That's no, very nobody not true. says that. Nobody says that. <laughs> no, it's good stuff. That's awesome. I'm so that's wonderful. It's it's great that you were shy, you know, sitting in the audience, but you were brave enough to kind of put that aside and still go, you know, go forward to someone you didn't know and and talk to her and learn so much, um, and that just changed the whole trajectory of your career. And I love how you call it career adventures, not career paths. A path implies there's one like straight and narrow and everybody's kind of on that same street. No one's on the same street in a career. Everyone takes different exits. Everyone has different on-ramps. Yeah. All about what you make it. And so how, how then do we know the difference between being too passive and letting, letting like the, the trajectory of, I don't know, everything that's going on around us, take us on a path versus allowing ourselves to make the make different choices to guide our own path? That's a great question. And I think the best example that I have in my own past is the fact that when my advisor asked me to stay to do a PhD, I didn't answer that day. Yeah, It was a month later. 
So I think we all just need to do some soul searching Mm -hmm. and you don't say yes to every opportunity. So I've had opportunities where people have asked me to take roles that I've said no to Mm -hmm. um, because either they didn't fit. It wasn't kind of where I saw myself going in the future. Um, At one time, just the timing wasn't right. You Mm -hmm. know, there were other things going on in my personal life that it just didn't fit. And so I think we all you know, in different places and in different times, we're all super individual, right? We all have things that are going on in our families, in our professional careers, where we see ourselves, where we want to go. Um, and we just make decisions. And so there's not a right or wrong decision. I think that's the other thing that I talk to students a lot about when they're trying to figure out what do I do next mm-hmm. is nothing is permanent. You are in control of your career. So do what makes you happy. And when it's no longer fun or happy, go do something else. And, you know, I think we're all very afraid and scared, myself included. Um, Change is hard, right? Mm -hmm. Change is hard. But it also is sometimes the times where we grow the most and we learn the most about ourselves. And so, you know, just being kind of true to yourself and doing that soul searching and saying, what do I want? Is this what I want? Or is this an external pressure that is making me feel like I have to take it? Those are two Ooh. different things. Yeah, really good point. Really good. Point. And I think just listening to your gut. Yeah. You usually know what the right answer is for you. Sometimes we don't want to listen to ourselves, but mm-hmm. it's there. What about listening to your gut, but just being aware that if it's fear that's talking to you, maybe don't yes. listen as much. Right. Yes, that is true. Don't let fear stop you. Yes. Um, I think it's a, it goes back to the, what is it you really want? If you want it, take it. Don't yeah. wait for anybody to go, go get it. Yeah. I love that. All right. Now you, you're working now at, you're the global academic relations leader. Um, so we focus on only agriculture as our industry. And we have kind of three different areas that we focus on. One is crop protection. So insecticides, fungicides, herbicides, nematicides to protect our crops. The other is seed technologies. So the seed that actually goes in the ground um, that we grow the plant out of. Um, And then our digital technologies, which are the technologies around that. So what is all the data that we're collecting on the farm? How is that used to make great decisions for the farmer or to help them identify things that they could be doing better, right? Mm -hmm. Mm. And but you've you've had several roles there. You've also worked in in pesticides and pest management in urban areas and and crops as well. So did you do both of these at the same time? Or was this separate? So yes and no. Um, so <laughs> I started out my first um, role at Corteva was in urban pest. So I was strictly working on how do we control primarily termites around mm-hmm. people's homes. And so I was looking into um, a product we call Centricon, which is a termite bait. So termites come, so termites also like ants live in a colony. And so the only one that's really reproducing is the queen. And so you want to control the queen in order to prevent the damage to your house or your home or your structure, whatever building we're trying to protect. And so we have these stations that we put in around the house. And, And so that helps protect the structure. And so that was what I was doing um, initially. And then uh, my background was always in agriculture though. So this role was kind of a a new, interesting learning for me. So as I was in that role, I kind of learned that technologies and those new techniques that I needed for my job. And then probably, I think it was three years into that role, 
I asked for an assignment and said, you know, I don't want to lose my agriculture background, right? I don't want to lose that technology. I don't want to lose that knowledge that I have. So is there a way that I can continue that? So then they said, yeah, let's think about that. And so they gave me a 50% split where I was doing the urban pest job Mm -hmm. and I was working in Northern crops, which is corn and soybeans primarily um, in Mm -hmm. kind of the Midwest area. And so I had literally a year where I was doing both. So usually you think of those two things as very different. Um, But in that case, because it was a learning opportunity for me and it was something that I asked for and said, hey, I really want to do this kind of work as well. Um, they gave me the opportunity to do both. And so I've kind of had the best of all worlds. Sometimes they were separate and sometimes they were literally in the same year. And I'm just curious, what is the climate as far as, uh, it seems like you're working, you've been there for a long time, so it must be a very friendly place uh, but to work. But how, is it mostly men or is it is it a mix? <laughs> Uh, so I'm lucky in that I have quite a few women colleagues mm-hmm. and are all over the place in terms of scientists, in terms of sales and marketing. I mean, we're kind of all over the place. And so um, I do have a great network of women that are supportive there um, and have been. I have some great mentors that are women that I can look up to and say, hey, I want to be you when I grow up. I have a couple of them that I've actually told that to. And mm-hmm. so, um, but yes, it you know, agriculture in general is a male dominated field. And so um, there's still a ways to go to get equality for sure. Um, But, you know, I feel pretty comfortable um, and heard. Sometimes you have to speak up a little louder or maybe more often um, that to be heard in some situations. But, you know, for the most part, um, the industry and agriculture has been kind to me. There have definitely been situations in the past where, you know, I've been called out as a woman or as too young or as mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but those, you know, not necessarily at the company, just in the industry as a whole. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we come across those. It's, it happens. It's not where it should be. It's not what should happen. Um, but it's really how we handle those situations, I think, again. Yeah. And we grow from those. They're not fun to experience. They're not fun to live through. But um it's part of my history. Um, I hope that the next generation of women that follows in my footsteps don't have that same experience. I hope they'd never have to experience that. What is a way that we can teach that industry and specifically your industry? Is there anything in particular that can be, I don't know, changed? Would you have any recommendations for the industry as a whole? That is a great question. I think, you know, I think it's all about, again, just creating an environment that is open and willing to listen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't know how we create that necessarily because there are some people that are stuck in their ways and it's very hard to change them, right? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things, again, as I've gotten more comfortable in my career, um, I know that I will step in if I see something, right? I will. If, if there's somebody trying to make a point in a meeting and they're not being heard, mm-hmm. I will interrupt and say, I think so-and-so has a really great thing that we need to hear right now, right? So there are things I think we can do as women to support each other. Mm-hmm. And so the problem is we need to be in the room together. <laughs> we need to get right? men to do that, right? <laughs> we need to I get know. Yes, that, that too. And, and I can't say that there aren't men that aren't really great mentors and allies because I have certainly had them. 
in my past. And so that's the other thing is if you feel like you're not being heard, who are those people that are in your network? So we talked about networking being so important. Yeah. That is another way is use that network of people that you already have connections with, whether they're men, women, you know, non-binary, whatever, whoever, and say, how can we help each other? You know, or if you're already having some challenges asking for help, you know, Mm -hmm. how can you help me? How can I be heard? What am I not doing right? Or what is somebody else doing wrong that there maybe needs to be intervention on, right? So it doesn't always have to come back to you. There are other people that are contributing to whatever the situation is. And so looking for ways to say, you know, not be threatening to anyone, because I don't know that anybody's doing it maliciously, right? They're Mm -hmm. not trying to be. Usually no. Yeah. Right. Right. Not, not, okay. Maybe there are some situations, but typically Mm -hmm. they're not trying to be, you know, exclusive or not trying to exclude an opinion or an idea, but maybe they just don't see everyone. Right. And, and they don't know how to. So helping them understand that, Hey, when somebody isn't speaking up at the meeting, maybe just stopping all the conversation and calling out people um, if they're comfortable with that, check in with them before the meeting, right? That's a good way to, to fix that is to just check in and say, Hey, I noticed, you know, you look like you had some ideas, but I didn't feel like we were hearing what your ideas were. And I think you have great ideas. So helping others just pull that out and, and making that environment where we can would help. Yeah, I think that's really important. And it's, it applies across the board women, but it also applies to really, I mean, just different personality types, right? I mean, some people are shy and they're, they have such valuable ideas, especially, I don't, I don't know if it's true, if it's a stereotype to say that maybe science, some scientists are shy, more shy than others, because a lot of people, you know, work in, in environments where they're not dealing with as many people because they have a shy personality. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's great to do that across the board, I would think. I want to say congrats to you on all of your awards because you've gotten so many of them. And I know you've created three successful STEM programs. A big part of your mission is to spread the word about STEM and educating people about STEM careers and entomology. Can you tell us about the programs that you created? Yeah. So um, one thing I like to say is I don't really educate anyone because people are educated already. So I like to say that I engage people in maybe a new topic. Mm-hmm. So okay. uh, so the three programs that I've been involved in, um, two were in graduate school. Um, and so one is called Insectapalooza, which is a one-day open house of the Department of Entomology. And <laughs> it, is, it started when I was there and a, a faculty member came and said, hey, we've been kind of charged with this anniversary year to do something in the department. Every department has to do something. And so we want to do something. Do you want to help me plan this? And I said, yeah, absolutely. So um, that one day open house was supposed to be a one year, one time thing. It was so popular. (laughs) We thought maybe we'll get a hundred people through the door. I think we got 500 people or something crazy like that in, in a day. And so we realized, wow, the community really wants this. They want to participate in these kinds of things. Why should we just do it once? And so yeah. then it became an annual event. And so it's still going on to this day, which I am super proud to have been somebody that helped start that. Um, the other one with the same faculty member there, um, she had been sending her um, students out into the community to like classrooms to do outreach education in classrooms and with community partners. 
And she really wanted to formalize that a little bit more and start teaching a class around that. And so she came to me and said, hey, with your education background, you kind of have the perspective of what a teacher needs and wants in the classroom. Mm -hmm. What I can bring is kind of the, how do we create some activities that are science-based for our students to take out? And so we partnered up and created this, what's called the Naturalist Outreach and Biology course. And so what it is, is basically a speaker's bureau. And so we train undergrad and graduate students in how to give engaging, hands-on, interactive talks about whatever subject that they're studying. And then as part of the class, they actually have to go into the community and do it. Mm -hmm. And so that is part of the requirement is you actually have to, like, there has to be an action at the end. And so that was a fantastic thing to be involved in. I basically took that same concept and said, how can I help my employees feel more empowered to do this? And There were a group of probably 10 of us at the time that got together and were doing kind of outreach on our own. Like, you know, we had a relationship with a teacher that would invite us into their classroom and we would go. And, you know, we thought, well, I can do only so many of those. What Mm -hmm. if I could empower 10 more people besides me to do? Like, how much bigger of a reach could we have? And so that was the very beginning with, you know, myself and, and nine others or so sitting around saying, how can we do this? which is really empowering our employees to go out into their communities. Um, And I'm super proud in the first five years that it was launched, we reached over half a million people um, through that program. That's incredible. And how did you reach all those people? So just by empowering our employees. So saying, hey, you know, if you want to go into a classroom, here's the materials, here's the things that go. If you want to volunteer um, and some of the events we set up. So like our state fair, we were at our state fair all I think 18 days of it, which we weren't there every single day, but we also empowered others to do the activities too. So that it wasn't always us. So we've done, you know, train the trainer kind of exercises where we teach yeah. teachers. Um, so through all of those different mechanisms and, and places, and we've grown from just, we started in Indianapolis, Indiana, mm-hmm. um, and we've grown from there to now we're international. So we have sites in um, Singapore that are working with youth there. I have colleagues in Colombia that are working with youth there. Um, And by youth, you know, sometimes it's, it's young people, but it's also their families. And so it's also Mm -hmm. parents, it's also teachers. And so it's really all ages that we're engaging, which to me is probably one of the most proud things that I have about that program is not only the impact that it's had, but that it engages almost everyone. Yeah, it sounds like you've touched a lot of people through that, and that must be very gratifying. And okay, well, speaking of, you know, touching and reaching a lot of people about this, you know, the idea of STEM and empowerment around STEM, and especially for, um, in this case, young women, Reinvented Magazine has you as the, is it the January Princess? Are you the Jen? I thought so. Okay, the January Princess in the Princesses with Power Tools calendar. Tell us about what character you chose and why you chose that character. So yeah, it's inspired by Snow White. Um, And when I was thinking about characters, I was really trying to think of who has interactions with animals, right? That's Mm. that's my story. That is who I am. I started out loving these four-legged furry things, thinking that I wanted to be a vet and studied them. And, you know, I loved my cats and dogs at home. I ended up having some sheep growing up um, when I was in high school because I was trying to get some veterinary experience and having additional animals around. Um, And 
So for me, I, that's the character I was looking for is who has a relationship with animals. And um, that's the princess that came to mind for me is, you know, she could talk to the animals. And so I, I was like, okay, that, that fits. Um, but then I think also for me, in the back of my mind, I was also thinking, how do we bring in the interesting characters of insects to that? And so, you know, with the, the seven dwarves and, you know, the characteristics of them, um, insects are kind of similar where they have so many different kinds of characteristics, right? They've got different personalities and things that they do and specialties and some are, are kind of dopey and some <laughs> <laughs> you know, beautiful and exciting. And yeah, so um, that's the other part that inspired me to pick that particular princess. Oh, that's, it's funny how so many of these characters in the calendars really do have parallels with the sciences and uh, the traits. It's, it's amazing. I mean, maybe, maybe it's just, it's the imagination of the princesses in the, in the calendar that have brought this out, but it, yeah, it really works. I love it. And are butterflies considered insects? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You're so pretty. It's hard to imagine that, but yeah, no, it makes sense. <laughs> um, okay. Well, where can our listeners find you if they want to get in touch or follow your journey? Yeah. So I'm on Instagram and Twitter at insect doc. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn. So if you want to find me there or learn more about my career path, you can follow me there. I typically um, try to post about kind of what's inspiring me at the time. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll learn a lot more about kind of the basics of agriculture and what um, what it looks like. So your food on your plate, where does it actually come from? What does it look like? I've been doing a short uh, video series on kind of where your food comes from. And so, you know, if you've never seen a grapevine, I am standing in the middle of a grape field and, you know, showing you what a grapevine looks like and what young grapes look like. Um, same thing with apples or wherever I happen to find myself, I try to shoot a little video on, you know, here's a cornfield, here's a soybean field, um, so that you can kind of see what it looks like before it gets to your table. And trying to remember too that Agriculture has so many, from the farm to your table, there's so many different people engaged and so many different careers throughout that. So when we think of agriculture, oftentimes the image that comes to mind, right, is the farmer in the field. Mm -hmm. And not everybody wants to be that. I didn't want to be that, right? That wasn't what inspired me. Um, but I'm so thankful for that farmer that grows the food. I am so thankful for the truck driver that transports that food to whatever grocery store or the restaurant that I'm going to be eating at that night. Mm -hmm. And I'm thankful for the chef that prepares that food. I am thankful for the waiter that brings that food to my table. All of these people are involved in that food and agriculture space. And I think oftentimes we sort of think agriculture is only the farmer, but mm -hmm. there's all these scientists, there's all of the um, people in between the time it leaves that field to when it lands on my plate um, that I really want people to kind of consider and think about and the options and the opportunities that there are throughout that entire supply chain. Dr. Rhonda Ham, insect doc on Instagram and Twitter, entomologist and educator, and of course, princess in the 2023 reinvented magazine, Princesses with Power Tools Calendar. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.